Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite topics, content marketing. Creating meaningful content for your audience is hard enough. A very small percentage of manufacturing organizations ever get to the point where they're consistently publishing truly exceptional resources for the people that they need to influence from the companies that they want to do business with. And for the few that do get it right, that content will often just sit in a resource center on their website, collecting dust until it's eventually buried and never seen again. In this conversation, we're going to tackle two critical subtopics of content marketing that so many companies miss. The first is how to take all of these amazing content assets that you're working so hard to create, the blog content, the case studies, the videos, and get them all out in front of the people that you need to reach at scale time and time again. We call this content distribution. The second subtopic is how to give those content assets more legs so they can reach more people in more formats and in more places. We call this content repurposing. My guest today is a true pro in both of these arenas, and he's going to help you take your content marketing efforts to the next level. Let me introduce him. Justin Simon consults, advises, and executes content distribution and repurposing strategies for growing SaaS companies and founders. He's the host of the Distribution First podcast and creator of the Content Repurposing Roadmap. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah. Well, so Justin, a lot of people at this point pitch me uh, to be a guest on the show and or I've handpicked certain people and you're one of the... One of those that I, I've just been kind of following on LinkedIn a little bit, and your message really resonates with me because, frankly, me and people at our agency talk about a lot of the same things, but I think you do a really great job packaging up a simple message um, about a few topics that, frankly, my manufacturing audience really needs to hear because I, I think like... You know, you you operate largely in the in the SaaS space or software space, and um, which tend to be more more sophisticated marketers, or at least probably more more often than than in in the manufacturing sector. It's a little more sales driven. Marketing is a little more traditional, and so the topics that I love hearing you talk about and write about that I want to get into today are sort of one the repurposing of content, and two the proactive distribution of content to a specific audience. Versus sort of the the traditional mindset of we'll publish stuff and people will find it. So that's kind of what I would really love to get in into uh, with you today. Yeah, happy to right up right up my alley. Good. Well, with Justin, we were talking a few weeks ago to kind of figure out what we want to do with this conversation, and um, I wrote down something you, that you said that, that kind of caught me. You said marketing is an investment in the hearts and minds of your audience, and that when people are ready to buy, they won't even search. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, I think. And again, th- th- maybe that's the ideal scenario, right? Like you, you've done such a good job. Market the difference between marketing and selling 
marketing, you know, getting those ideas out there, getting, getting attention, driving brand awareness, all of those type of things, but becoming so well, and again, like whether it's capturing hearts and minds, whether it's becoming known, liked, loved, and trusted, that, that type of language. But I think at the end of the day, that's what you want to do as, as a, whatever company you're running, you want to become known, liked, and trusted by that audience or become loved by that audience so much so where, you know, when it goes to the question of like, am I going to search you out or search? It's really, am I going to go search out for the product or for the company? For the, am I, am I searching out uh, a project management software or am I just going to Asana or am I just going to click up? Like it's this kind of, that kind of idea where you've done such a good job of marketing, telling the story, explaining the problems, being the guide, helping your audience that they might not even be a customer. And I'm sure everybody in their brain probably has some sort of company in their head that they might not even be a customer at because maybe they're not in market or whatever. But man, if they ever needed that thing, I'm going straight to them. I'm not even going to Google the top options. I'm just going to go straight there. That's that That's that core idea. Yeah. And I think I, you know, I'm such a believer in it. And if you, if anybody listening right now, if you just stop and think about it, like this is true in, in all of your lives as as consumers and probably in your business world where... I think Justin, you said it well, like you may not even be a customer of a particular company, but when that need comes up, like that's exactly who you think of. It's it's the obvious first person you call or first website you go to. And so I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today is sort of how do you get to that point, right? Like what do you need to be doing at all times and ahead of your prospects being even in a buy cycle so that when they are, you're the obvious choice, right? Yeah. And that's key too, is the understanding of like the vast, vast majority are not in market or not in that buy cycle or not ready right now. And knowing that and believing that and then acting on that changes how you market. Because a lot of times it's so... And that's why I said like it's a separation of sales and marketing. Sometimes it's so tempting to blend the two and just to... Well, we we need to pull a fast lever. Like let's go run a a campaign that's like just solely focused on our product or solely focused on you know what we do or how how we set or what we sell and that feels like the right thing to do sometimes i've been a part of those campaigns before and it feels like okay this is what we got to get us in front of, in front of our audience but what the audience actually needs is more education more help more understanding to when the timing is just right then it fits totally if if you're just shouting buy now messaging uh, at a hundred people and only one or two of them is actually in market for that thing, what do you think the rest of them are doing? Like they're either ignoring you, or at some point they're going to say, "Oh my gosh, like will this person just shut up? I don't want to hear this message anymore. I don't need this thing." And and it's it's sort of the difference between doing that and and saying, "Okay, what what matters to this person?" you know what are they thinking about in their in their daily jobs that my expertise and my experience can actually provide some value to them and how can we talk to them in in a more prospector customer centric way as opposed to shout, shouting this this sales message at them through a megaphone time after time that they they don't want to hear right now right right sometimes it's not even a sales message or a buy now it's just this is our this is our feature. This is our feature. And again, we're getting better, I think, collectively, maybe as marketers of like moving away from features to benefits, but that's still a, that's still even a, a crutch for a lot of content and a lot of 
just marketing in general where it's like, well, this is our new thing. This is what we just released. This is, but unless you know the why behind that, it just kind of ends up falling on deaf ears. 100%. So Justin, I know I know you spend a lot of your time advising software companies or SaaS companies where content marketing adoption is a lot further along than it is in the manufacturing sector um, where, where this you know podcast audience lives. Most manufacturers I talk to have not yet figured out how to create meaningful content for their audiences, but those who have figured it out kind of tend to sit back and wait for the right people to magically find it. The mindset is we'll publish the content and Google will bring our audience to it, right? And I think this plays into what you were just talking about, you know, with how much of your audience is actually buying right now. But tell me what from your perspective is is missing. Yeah, I think it's a content is holistic. So it's not it's not that in and at any given time there are people who who are actively searching for a thing, but that also does that intent might not be that they're ready to buy now. They're just maybe doing some research. But there's also a wide swath of people that are not actively searching for a thing or not actively trying to understand a problem or even like might feel the pain but not not tie that to the problem that they're having. And so it's kind of a difference between those two things. And so if you're only if you're only creating content that say for the SEO side, that's capturing what people are currently looking for, you're missing the whole other side of like trying to like create a brand that people start to know, like, and trust. Because as much as I like Google or like try to find things, as, as soon as I get my answer, I'll leave that I'm, I'm done. Like there's very little brand affinity to tie those things together. You might recognize the brand or you might like filter through, but it's not like getting that perfect answer like wins you over in, in there. Now, maybe if you did that over a long period of time, potentially I could see where, you know, man, they, they got a lot of, con- I, I just ended up picking up their content more, but that only works if you rank and probably rank in the top three. <laughs> so like, for all the content that you're you're creating and all the all the time you're spending creating that content unless you rank and you rank highly that content is not going to get seen so that's where the flip side of distribution comes in and really being proactive with your distribution is google is just one distribution channel youtube is just one distribution channel so if you're creating content for somebody to search that's just one spot that doesn't tie in email social all these other platforms and how you can proactively get that content out in front of people. Yeah, well said. There's uh, the analogy I, I've been using a lot lately that seems to be kind of sticking is is just this idea that you know if you are you could, you could have the best restaurant in a big city with the best food and the best chef and you know amazing environment, but if nobody knows it's there or never walks in the door, what's the point? You know, you you're, you'll be out of business in six months, right? And so I think that like this is how. This is how B2B companies need to be thinking about, you know, how, how do we reach our audience? And when we're t- putting all this energy into making amazing content that you know taps into the brains of our engineers and our subject matter experts and technical professionals, yeah, you can't sit back and just wait for people to find it. You need to go out there and proactively get that stuff in front of the right people from the right companies and make sure the message is resonating, make sure they're consuming it. 
so that you build trust, you build awareness, and you get to that point that we were talking about a few minutes ago, where you're the obvious choice when somebody has a need. So talk a little, like talk a little bit more about content distribution. And, and this, I think it's a, it's a concept that a lot of people don't think about a lot. It's just, we'll make the thing, we'll publish it, but like what else, what needs to happen and how can you approach content distribution? Yeah, it's a, it's something that I've sort of painfully <laughs> come to, uh, come to the realization after, you know, a decade in, in content is most of the time, whether it's a content team, whether it's a marketing team, even if it's a solo creator or, uh, you know, a, a, a small, a small business hitting publish ends up being the goal. Like, Hey, we created this new blog and, and we hit public. It's live everybody. Hey, it's, it's live. We did it. All right. What's the next thing we're going to create? Like, it, it's literally like almost that knee jerk of like, oh, we, we did it. Okay, now we got to what's the next video? What's the next blog? What's the next thing we're going to create? Or, and we even kind of do it to ourselves at a high level with content, big content calendars are like, well, this is when this publishes, and this is when this publishes, and this is when this publishes. And so we've just sort of naturally brought ourselves into a publishing mindset and a publication mindset and not, and not thinking about, hey, I've got this piece of content. How is anybody actually going to see it? What, how, how to, and, and over time and, 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 you know, not just for the week that we promoted it on social, but what, what about three months from now when we spent good time? So it's it's like the distribution side of it at a, at a high level is just thinking about how are you getting that piece of content in front of your audience and then being able to do that consistently. And, and especially now with social and other channels that are really changing how in other formats, podcasts, et cetera, right? Like a podcast doesn't necessarily do much for you in terms of search, <laughs> you know, like, it's not like I can't tell, I honestly probably can't tell you a single time I've ever searched for something and a podcast has helped me <laughs> or I've searched, like, it's just not how we typically consume that media. So if that if you're doing a podcast, you need a completely different distribution strategy. And if you don't have a distribution strategy in place for your show, if you're not cutting up the clips, if you're not taking the best quotes and, and turning them into social content, if you're not taking the summaries and reworking them into an email, if you're not turning them into a blog, if you're not doing something with them, you're you're missing out because you're spending all this time to create that thing, but you're actually not actively getting that in front of the audience. So let me ask you this, Justin. I think a lot of companies focus on just publishing large volumes of content. And I think I think an area where you and I are aligned, I want to hear your take on it though, is that rather than just saying, we're going to publish a blog post every week or every other day or whatever that is, I would rather, I am more in the camp of let's create a solid base of amazing content that matters to the right people from the right companies. And maybe we only need five of those pieces of content over the next couple months, or even to use over the next six months, frankly, if our distribution strategy is on point. And you know, I would rather have 50,000 of the right people from the right company see those three or five pieces of content than 3,000 of those people see a hundred pieces I've published. So talk, talk a little bit to me about just kind of your take on volume versus distribution of, uh, of a small set of the right things to the right people at scale. 
Yeah, I think one of the <laughs> so distribution first. That's my podcast. That's really my philosophy. That's how that's how I advise clients and companies to to think about how they're doing content strategy. And the reason I start with distribution first is because a lot of the times it's just what you said. Like take SEO out of it because SEO can be a volume game, and that and and you kind of do need to feed the beast for that at times to to work, but outside of SEO for the the stuff you're creating most companies are creating way too much stuff for the distribution channels that they even have like they're 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 creating so much that they can't even get it in front of their audience in a consistent way so that that's why when i start with distribution first it's like okay what channels are you actively distributing on okay you have an email newsletter that you send every week so that's one email <laughs> okay so you have you know, you're doing LinkedIn. Okay. So that's seven to maybe 14 posts max. You know, if you're doing two a day, every single day, which most companies aren't. So, okay. That, that maxes you out at 14 things you can talk about a week, probably only going to be like five. Twitter's a little different. There's obviously more there, but you can kind of see like, if you know where you're just distributing your content, you can reverse engineer back what you would actually need. And so I always start with like distribution channels, understanding where we actually want to distribute our content, like where is our audience? So that's key, right? Like is our like if you're a manufacturing, like it probably doesn't make sense for you to be on Pinterest. <laughs> so understanding where your audience is and then understanding what you have the capability to distribute at a high quality. So it's not enough just to like say, oh, we're just going to slap this on YouTube and we're going to put this over here on Instagram and we're going to do this over here and this over here. Like hosting is one thing, but then you get back into this publishing mindset. You don't actively have a plan in place to interact on the platform, to understand what the audience really cares about, to engage on that platform. So really think through like how you're able to distribute that content. And then by reverse engineering back, you might say, oh man, like... Yeah, we can do we can do a product announcement in you know Q4, and that can that can help. We can distribute that over here, and then we can do maybe if we do like three blogs, we're going to be set. Plus, we have maybe this podcast over here that we're running every single week. So, like, man, that's all we need if we and if we can get that stuff in front of our audience. And and what that forces you to do is to be much smarter about what you're talking about because when you're producing a ton of stuff, you know you can get away with not being so tight to make sure every single thing hits because you're creating a volume. Whereas as you start to take that stuff down and create less, you have less sort of at-bats, if you will. And so you have to make sure those at-bats are going to hit or at least hit as as best as you think they can. Yeah, really well said. You, you've kind of mentioned a few you know, things that I would consider distribution channels, um, you know, publishing organically, through your own personal profile, maybe through your company profile. Um, I won't get into the nuances of that right now. Uh, you know, publishing on YouTube, using your your email list if you have a valid email list. You know, one one channel that we've had so much success for with our manufacturing clients over the last few years is paid social. Meaning, let's take a media budget and uh, let's take our media budget that we're spending on, on print ads right now, or some of that trade show budget, or, or whatever, and say. Okay, let's target there, you know, the supply chain management engineers and design engineers and senior procurement engineers and manufacturing engineers inside of the, you know, electrical equipment manufacturing and machinery manufacturing and fabricated metal products audiences that we serve 
everybody with those job titles in the US that have a LinkedIn profile, for example. And there might be 50 or 80,000 people out there that fit that description. And so when we talk about content distribution, you could write a piece of content that is directed right at those people or, you know, record a video of one of your subject matter experts breaking down, you know, like something that matters to those people are doing a product comparison or some thought leadership piece. I mean, you could take one of those and you could publish it on your blog and maybe over the next course, the next year, a hundred people might see it, find their way to it. Or you could target that whole group on LinkedIn and probably reach publish that piece or take little excerpts of a 10 minute video and break it into three or four or five or six little clips. And you could be distributing that stuff with a media budget and guaranteeing that of those 50 to 80,000 people, probably 25% of them are going to see that. Like You could literally reach tens of thousands of people and do it time after time after time. And think of the power of, of that versus making 10 of those things, publishing them on your blog and maybe a few hundred people see them. And so I think that's like, it's just, it's just one way to do it, but it's it's just we need to think about how do we get the message to the right people at scale rather than passively waiting for them to find us. Like so much content, great content collects dust out there on on you know manufacturing websites or other B2B company websites because they're not doing the work to make sure that people actually consume it. So I don't know any any builds you have there, you know, things you'd want to share on that topic. Yeah, I think paid is 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 a great avenue because it's essentially guaranteed distribution. It's guaranteed, like like you said, it's guaranteed distribution to get that in front of the right audience. And with this stuff too, like one of the things I love to do is to whether it's paid and you want to put a little money behind it to to get instant feedback, or even organically if you have a decent sort of like following built up or have enough enough quality connect even if it's not large like enough quality connections to where you can get feedback on ideas is to use micro content to inform larger content so if you are if you create a piece of content maybe it's that video snippet see like a 10 minute that you cut up and you you know it doesn't take a ton of effort but you have ideas in there that you want to get insight on and you might put some dollars behind it and get that in front of the audience and see if it sticks or it doesn't, and then use that to inform, hey, we're going to do a larger piece on this now. And then that gets cycled and you do a larger piece and then you distribute that out in the same way. And so now you're you're sort of bringing in these feedback loops into your content strategy that allow you to get instant feedback, understand what your audience cares about, and then build from their larger pieces to where that way, when you're creating a larger content, you already have insight into how they feel about it. Because a lot of times when you hit hit send on a newsletter, hit publish on a blog post. You internally have talked a lot about it. You might think your audience cares about X, Y, and Z topic, but there's really no way to understand what that is. You can even see like page views and open rates, but there's something different like to the social aspect of it to like get an instant comment, get a like, get a, you know, get a question. And it's like, oh, okay. Like that really touched a nerve or I'm maybe I said this in a way that isn't as clear as I thought because it didn't get very much interaction. So it just gives you those sort of instant feedback that you can take to carry on into larger pieces. Oh, that's so smart, Justin. I think it's like you're basically talking about using your content, almost a minimum viable product of content to make decisions about how to where to invest your resources into more. Like I think back to you know, I've been running this agency with my my business partner John for almost 17 years now. And I think back to like 
what we were doing 10 years ago. We would, we, and for our clients, we'd create these, these long white papers or, um, you know, deep pieces of content, right. That might in Microsoft word, fill 10 pages and in PDF form on their design, they're 20 pages long. And, you know, it would be hours and hours and hours of research and writing and refinement and designing the thing. And then, you know, you publish it thinking you got this great piece and it, and just kind of, you get no reaction to it or you don't get it. And, and like the effort and as a result, dollars that went into creating that, it's such a risk, right? And we would, you know, you start doing that across multiple pieces. And I think that it, what we then do is we, it's like, okay, create this big piece. And now we have the opportunity to break it down into all these small pieces. But if the big piece didn't resonate with your audience in the first place, then what good are the, all the small pieces going to be? And so, I, you know, it's been a, I've flipped the, that whole playbook around at this point. It sounds like it's something you do too, where it's like, rather than putting all this effort into this huge, deep piece of content that's going to take forever to create, how about if we test this little tiny piece of content that takes 30 minutes to write and publish it on LinkedIn or wherever we we can get to our audience and this one and this one and this one. And this thing that I thought was going to blow up, nobody responded to. And this one that was just sort of this thought I had that I blew out in 10 minutes, like, you know, it gets a hundred likes and 50 comments and like, clearly there's something there and that happens all the time. And now it's like, okay, well now what I do is I take that and that becomes my newsletter for next week, right? Mm -hmm. Just adjust it for the medium. And it takes 15 minutes to get that piece set. And now I see who else responds to that. And if that continues to get traction, it's like, okay, now I'm going to create the thousand word piece to publish on my blog and maybe put some paid media budget behind to get that message out to more people. So I really love that idea of, you know, thinking of your content as, as market research to see like what message resonates and what do we have to say more about? Yeah. And, and cause that, and at the end of the day too, it's almost a, a shifting of what matters in a way. Like I think traditionally we would say that page view there, that maybe that blog view is way more important. And maybe there are reasons why that is way more important, but is way more important than that LinkedIn view even though it's the same sort of like topic or idea. And again, maybe one's more in depth, but like, and you could actually check and see. And that's an interesting thing too, when you audit, you know, content and websites is like, what's the average time on that page? What's the average time on, you know, site? How far do they scroll down? Like you get those analytics in GA and you can really start to understand like, oh, we thought our content was really good, but when we audited it, like 90% of it, they, they bounce, you know, 90%. And they stay about a minute and they don't move on anywhere throughout else at the site. They scroll, you know, 25% down the page. So like understanding those metrics help you even internally like frame up like what, what matters as far as like content and how people consume that content. Yeah. Well said. Okay, let's take a quick break here. I want to let a couple of our strategists at Gorilla76 tell you about something pretty cool that we're doing right now for marketing folks in the manufacturing sector. Peyton and Mary, take it away. Yes. So I'm Peyton Warren. And I'm Mary Keough. Twice a month, we host a live event called Industrial Marketing Live. Right now, we have a group of 50 plus industrial marketers from a variety of manufacturing organizations. We meet up digitally to learn ask questions, network, and get smarter. Every session has a designated topic, and one of our team members at Gorilla76 opens up by teaching for the first half hour or so. Topics have included how to get better at a manufacturing webinar, 
getting started with paid social on LinkedIn, how to optimize your website for conversions, creating amazing video content, and so much more. After we break it down, we open it up to Q&A so we can help you apply all of this in your own businesses. This is pure value. No cost, no strings attached, no product or service pitches, just a 100% unadulterated learning experience. Oh, and on top of these live sessions, we've also opened up a Slack channel where our attendees bounce ideas off each other and learn together all week long between sessions. We're building a true community of manufacturing marketing professionals here. So if you or someone at your company has the word marketing in his or her job title, please consider telling them about it. They can visit industrialmarketinglive.com to register. We'd love to see you there. So Justin, I want to, let's do a little exercise here. You and I are both podcast hosts, right? And we're, we're recording one right now. It'll probably be about 40 minutes long by the time we you know, turn the, the uh, recording off. If you're me, it, now that we have this 40 minute recording or whatever, what do you do you know, over the course of the next week or month or for, forever, frankly, as, as long as it's relevant, like what's the playbook you would put in play to get the most out of 40 minutes of us having this conversation? Yeah, totally. And, and everybody's going to be slightly different, right? Because again, it goes back to their specific distribution channels. If you don't have an email list, email doesn't make sense. If you don't focus on YouTube, YouTube doesn't make sense, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's funny, like I actually broke this down like in depth on on one of my podcasts where I talk about my content strategy and what I'm doing this year based around a podcast because my whole content strategy is based around the show. Like everything I do is based off of that. And so how I frame it up, like how I would suggest somebody do it is, and again, we'll say in this case, the channels I'm using are LinkedIn and email newsletter. So I'm using those two channels. So that's that's step one is I would figure out what are those two channels that you can do well and do consistently. And and the reason I say that is like, absolutely, there's a whole other thing that you could be super smart with, with like YouTube and cutting it up for shorts. And like, there's a whole other thing and, and that could be valuable. But for me, what I do is every week I record the episode um, or I batch record a, a couple at a time. And then from there, I know the n- email newsletter that goes out later in the week is going to be off of that topic. It might not be the exact thing. It might be a pull out of it or a reframe or an example based on what I talked about, but it's going to be something based around what I talked about in that episode. And so what that allows me to do is to write about it, but then also gives me an excuse to link back to the show in the email. So if somebody's like reading it and I give them just a little tease and say, hey, and say, hey, I broke this down in the full episode of distribution first this week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, go go take a listen to it. And so it's actually, you can see in the metrics, like Tuesdays I launch, kind of lulls throughout the week, Saturday send the newsletter, picks up again. So like it gives you just more sort of um, ammunition to go back to the show too. And then I get a whole bunch of clips made and I'll cut those up and put those out on LinkedIn. And typically I'll do like when the show launches on a Tuesday, I'll launch a clip off the show. That kind of is is like an announcement, if you will, like, hey, new episodes out. This is, but it's value. It's not just like, hey, go listen to the show. It's a valuable piece of content off of it. And then I'll try to drip clips off of that show or content that I've created off of that show on LinkedIn for honestly the next probably consistently once a week for the next one to two months 
depending on how much con- how many clips or how much content I get out of that, and then recycle and go back. But if you're creating a show every single week, that just compounds compounds on on each other. So, and then I also do some Twitter stuff. So like, take the newsletter after it's written, create some Twitter th- create a Twitter thread based off of that. So again, if you didn't read the newsletter, you can read the Twitter thread, and then I'll create a carousel as well that goes on LinkedIn. So like with the images. But because I know what I'm trying to do every week, this is maybe the tricky part, Joe, or like not the tricky part, but like the next level part, because I know how I want to distribute the content because I've thought through distribution first on what I'm doing, that completely changes what type of show I'm creating at the beginning, if that makes sense. So like how I outline the show, how I know what topics I want to do, because I know like I need to get some social clips out of this. Like I need to be able to like, and I want a social clip on this particular topic. Okay, cool. I got to write in here that where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on this and these three things. And so it just gives me a way to think through that. Or like if I want a carousel, like what type of show format do I need to produce to be able to get a carousel out? It's probably a little bit different than just a, a standard show or an interview. You know, you know, so just kind of think through those things. Yeah. Now, good way to break it down. And I mean, just for, for context, for this particular audience that's used to listening to me, like what, here's what I do. I, I'll take, you know, this recording, it'll get published in, you know, the major podcasting platforms in audio format, right? Spotify and Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and a few other places. We, when I'm on top of my game, there will be a blog post on our website with some show notes that summarizes it. And that's where, you know, maybe there will be some SEO value to this, you know, the episode video portion of it could get published on YouTube and then streamed right into that post on our site. I have the luxury of having a videographer in-house that not everybody does, but you, know, you can get somebody to help you without it being too painful. But we'll, we'll go back, we'll clip maybe three or four highlights from this conversation, put headlines and captions on them. Those become organic LinkedIn content, the ones that perform well. Sometimes we will put media budget behind it and they become paid LinkedIn content to reach more of, of the right people. We'll summarize a little blurb from this episode. It'll get distributed in our newsletter as part of you know one story. Um, and so th- like these are all things just from all we did was have a 40 minute conversation here about what something that we know matters to our audience. And anybody listening here you can can do the exact same thing for your audience. Like queue up some of your SMEs to talk about what you know your audience cares about. And any of these things we're talking about today, you could you could put into play. Yeah. And you wouldn't even have to do a podcast to do that. Right. You know, all that entire play outside of like the podcast feed is accessible just by doing, you know, a 30 minute interview once a month with an SME. You could, you could literally have a month's worth of content that you're just distributing off of that. If you thought through and and really kind of had a plan, like you've got, or a plan like I've gotten again, different, different distribution plans on similar format, which I think is the cool thing. But yeah, it it doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to put the pressure on to say like, oh, I've got to release a podcast and figure out how to do podcasts. Like, no, the only thing, literally the only thing you'd be missing out on is having something show up on a podcast feed. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, heck, you could even go to your blog. If you have a blog and you've produced some good content there already over the years or a white paper or some kind of, maybe one of your experts spoke at a, you know, fab tech recently or some, you know, industry convention or something. And you've got a video of that. I mean, it could be video. It could be written content. Grab what you've got already that, you know, is, is solid and resonates with your audience and start your content distribution and repurposing 
effort right there. You don't have to start fresh, use what you've got and think about how do we get this piece? How do we break this up into bite-sized pieces and where can we reach the people that we need to consume this so that it's not just sitting there collecting dust? Yeah. When I, when at my previous role, when I joined at, at that company, the first thing I did was at the time they were trying to like ramp up on social. And the, so the very first thing I did was look back at the the blog archives, what's successful, what's working. We start, we cut all of that. Uh, all of those blogs were probably consistently cut up into anywhere from five to eight social posts. So again, and you know, if you have five great blog posts and you can get five social posts out of each one, you have 25 posts. So you can get a month's worth of content on LinkedIn immediately. If you just, you know, off of five blog posts. And you know you do one a day off of each of those for five days each week. They'll scatter out, and you can get a you know a, a pretty good distribution for your existing content without without working too awful hard. Yeah, you got it, well, Justin. Anything I uh, didn't ask you about that you'd like to share? Or you, as I watch you sit here laughing, we could probably talk all day about all this. But I um, wanted to give you a chance to kind of chime in if there's anything you wanted to make sure you communicated. Yeah, I mean, I think I think overall. Yeah, like you said, we could chat about it all day. I think overall, it's just thinking through what I'm trying to communicate to folks more than anything is is just think through how you're going to get that content in front of your audience without hope being the main strategy. I, I described it the other day. Like my old strategy used to be hope with a dash of SEO. Like that <laughs> that was my that was my old content strategy. You know, like I didn't know any better, and so it was just like. Well, you know, I just had my team creating a bunch of content because it, that was the, that felt like the right thing to do. We need to be creating content twice a week and getting it out there and publishing it. And then, and honestly, we were kind of like judged on our production. Not really. I mean, of course, we were judged on on how it performed, but like outside of that, like really, like okay, we we're busy. We're creating content. We're doing this, and I hope it ranks. <laughs> that was that was really really how we did it. So I think thinking through how that stuff is working. And honestly, maybe the other thing I would say, encourage folks to do is is audit their existing content. Go through, take a look at what's working, take a look at what isn't, really kind of deep dive like on some of the stuff I talked about. Like, how is your content performing right now? How 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 many visits are you getting? Are they increasing? Or are they decreasing? Is it 20% of your blogs doing 80% of your lift? which is, probably happens for most folks. And so if so, like, can we condense? Can we cut? Can we update? Can we shrink? Because all of that, we didn't even touch on this, but as a, somebody who managed content in the past, all if you have 5,000 blog posts that you're creating, right? Like you're creating all this, or, you know, 500 even, that's 500 pieces of content that you now have to manage, make sure it's up to date, make sure it's valid, make sure nothing's broken, make sure, you know, so like it's just adding more uh, onto your plate. So those are the two things that I that I might add is just think through the distribution plan ahead and then audit what you've got and make sure you've got a good plan going forward. Love it. Nice way to wrap it up there, Justin. So you've got a podcast called Distribution First. You have a course called Content Repurposing Roadmap, which I was taking a look at and I love the way you packaged that up and sort of explained you know, what it's all about. But tell our uh, listeners here how they can learn more about all the things you're doing and get in touch if they'd like to. Like you said, Joe, I have a podcast that comes out every week called Distribution First. It's kind of a combination of me just chatting over sort of 
the state of where I think content distribution's at. I'm also bringing on a bunch of folks as well. So it's a nice mix of, of myself and others as well. It's no straight interview show. And then the course, yeah, I, I built the course out really just to help people get more out of their existing content and get more out of the content they're creating. So distribution is one side of, of content creation, but tying in that, like we didn't say it, but the repurposing of that content into the clips, into the emails, into the newsletter. So content repurposing more roadmap is a course I created that in really under 60 minutes, you can get a pretty, a pretty good on-ramp into how to distribute your content, all the stuff that's holding most companies back from doing that, and then how to build a plan uh, moving forward to be able to, to get more out of your content. So ideally, you aren't having to create so much stuff, and that frees you up to have more time for you know, strategic uh, insights, looking at what's working, or even just creativity in terms of what you're creating. Maybe you're going to be more creative on a on one piece of content versus creating a you know five average posts for out, throughout the month. So being able to free free up content creators in that way too. Awesome. Well, please go take a look at what Justin's doing. Go follow him on LinkedIn to Justin Simon. Uh, I enjoy seeing your posts cross my feed. I feel like I'm always learning something new or at least validating something that I talk about that. And, and it, it's great to hear it from other people too. And I think you do such a good job articulating these concepts. So really appreciate you doing this today. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Joe. You bet. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.